you know, there was a season, I, I, most people that come to Sun Valley know this, there was a season in my wife and I's marriage when we were separated. Uh-huh. And so I was going to counseling during that time. She was going to counseling. But I'll never forget the counselor was talking about second marriages mm-hmm. and the percentage of, of failure in a second marriage is really, really high. And he told me why that is. And I thought it was so brilliant. Welcome to the Loving God, Loving People podcast, where we talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus in our everyday lives and how, in the end, all that matters is God and people. Here's today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we're talking about blended families. And I think there's a lot of people that are listening that are a part of a blended family, whether you grew up in one or maybe you are a parent in a blended family, could be your kid of a blended family. Sometimes that happens from divorce. Sometimes a a parent will pass away and and that other parent will remarry. Lots of different ways to blend families. Chad, you're part of a blended family. Give us uh, kind of your stats real quick. I am. Yeah. Um, Well, let's go with this and we'll talk about blended family, single parent families today. Um, Jesus was actually part of a blended family. Mm Mm-hmm. So, because Joseph was not his biological dad, and so if you're like, can a blended family still? (laughs) Absolutely, because Jesus was part of one. Mm -hmm. So, that just popped in my brain. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks. You grew up, so your parents divorced when you were how old? Eight. Eight. Okay. Well, I don't know when the divorce was final. My dad left the house when I was eight. Um, Yeah, and then... uh, my dad remarried, mm-hmm. so that's blended family. I would see my dad every other weekend, and so um, had a, had a stepmom at like nine or ten years old, and then uh, my mom remarried uh, when I was a freshman in high school, so I was fourteen, mm-hmm. and she married a man that had three children, uh, an adult son that had already uh, moved out, and then uh, when my mom married him. My stepdad, he had two daughters, one college age, one two years younger than me. And then it was me and my little brother, and uh, my brother's six years younger than I am. So it was kind of the backwards Brady Bunch. Yep. Yeah. How about you? What are your stats? Yeah. So parents divorced when I was 10, and my mom and dad both remarried. And then the second marriage with my mom, that didn't work out. So he had four kids. So I had all of a sudden four step-siblings there, two step-siblings on my, my dad's side, now I have four ex-step-siblings. My mom remarried, and now I have two new step-siblings. It's hard to keep track of all this. It is. And uh, yeah, I was looking up some of the stats on marriage. For those that are in a blended family situation, especially if you're the parents in a blended family, it's it's really challenging to stay married. Mm-hmm. And so the, the stats are somewhere around half of marriages end in divorce. Well, if you're a second marriage, it goes up to like 70% yeah. are going to end in divorce. And so what I want us to, to talk about today are what are some of the tools, what are some of the things for those that are in a blended family situation uh, that they can they can help increase their odds? Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about maybe um, for some single adults at the moment. Yep. Or- perhaps divorced and, and have kids or, or maybe divorced and don't have any kids. Um, you know, there was a season, I, I, most people that come to Sun Valley know this, there was a season in my wife and I's marriage when we were separated. Uh-huh. And so I was going to counseling during that time. She was going to counseling. But I'll never forget the counselor was talking about second marriages mm-hmm. and the percentage of, of failure in a second marriage is really, really high. And he told me why that is. And I thought it was so brilliant. 
And uh, if you're just listening to the podcast today, you might want to go back and watch the video. I'm going to do a little illustration here with my hands. But he interlocked both of his hands, and he said, when two people get married, it's two becoming one. Mm-hmm. And he said, what happens is when the marriage breaks, there's a separation, and then he left his fingers open. And so you have all these gaps in your heart and your soul. It's a very painful thing. Yeah. Uh, so whether the the marriage uh, was really painful or not, or whether you know you just had irreconcilable differences or whatever, two become one in a marriage, and when that happens, those gaps are still there, and it takes time. And mm-hmm. then he slowly closed his hand. It takes time for those gaps to heal. Yeah. But what people do because that pain's real is they try to fill it real quick. Yep. So they fill it with perhaps alcohol. They'll fill it with all kinds of other relationships or sexual whatever. Yep. activity, yeah, outside of marriage, uh, or they'll jump into another relationship mm-hmm. real quick. He said, and the reason so many second marriages fail is you haven't given yourself time to heal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're still got those open wounds of wanting to be one with somebody, and you got to just give yourself some time. So a lot of times it's because people hop into that second yeah. relationship yeah. really quickly, uh, and then third marriages. The percentage rate of yep. failure goes up even more, and it's because yep. people didn't learn, you know, the first time around. So I would say if you're experiencing a divorce or you, you find yourself in that season, uh, I have a friend who lost his wife um, over a year ago. Uh, the counsel would be before you jump into another serious relationship, take your time. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't try to fill those gaps with alcohol and all kinds of sexual experiences or any of those things either. You want to trust God. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to do what God says, and you want to take your time. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, a, that's a big contributor yep. um, to, to those percentages as we, we just jump in too fast because we're wounded. And marriage is already on its own. Marriage is challenging. There's a whole lot of selfishness that has to die in each of us for marriage to work well. And then how, you... how, long, how long have you been married? Uh, we are coming up on 18 years. Yeah. Are you still learning not to be selfish? Oh, yeah. Still yeah. working on it. Well, it's so funny because you get married and you realize, wow, I'm really selfish. And then you have a kid and you're like, oh, <laughs> I, I didn't realize how selfish I was. Now I realize oh, I'm so selfish. Then you have a second kid and a third kid. And it just keeps on going. Your whole life you realize, I'm a really self-centered person and this is going to take a lot of work. Yeah. So you have the challenge of that. Go ahead. Well, and I'm still upset that the world doesn't revolve around me. It's That's a hard crazy. reality to grasp it and, is, to, and to accept and to and – to, understand that's the, that is reality uh, but it's already challenging and then you add stepkids mm-hmm. and you add ex-spouses mm-hmm. and you add to your point with the with the illustration by the way thanks for using an illustration i love that um there, there's trauma for everybody involved there, there's trauma for the spouses that that maybe hasn't been totally worked through and all of that so now the odds really are stacked against you so what do you do let's let's kind of pick this thing apart here what do you do when it comes to stepchildren. And I know our perspective is unique because we're coming at it maybe from the experience of being a stepchild mm-hmm. more so than, you know, we haven't been step parents, so it's hard to speak into that. But I have talked to a lot of step parents and learned from uh, their experiences. But what are some of the things for a parent dealing with stepchildren? You're not my real dad. You're not my real mom. Yeah. Um, by the way, being a stepmom statistically is is harder than being a stepdad. Kids tend to accept, accept a stepdad long before they accept a stepmom, which is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, but all the studies are showing that it's really hard to be a stepmom. Anyhow, what what advice do you have, Pastor yeah, Moore? I, I think, first of all, if you're a step-parent, um, my opinion, so this would be 
you know, 20 plus years of full-time ministry. You mentioned I'm a stepchild that mm-hmm. has two step parents because uh, both my dad and my mom remarried. Um, I think being a step parent is one of the hardest jobs in the world. Yeah. Just because in many ways, especially if the children live in your home, you have all the sacrifices that you would make if that was your biological child. Mm-hmm. But you don't have, for lack of a better way to say it, you don't have the payoff mm-hmm. uh, because that child may or may not uh, fully receive you mm-hmm. uh, as a parent. And most likely, if, if unless the child's really, really young when you become their step-parent, they're probably never going to see you as a parent. Yeah, um, That might have been heartbreaking for somebody to hear. But that's that's just the truth, mm-hmm. uh, and it's one of the reasons why that job is is so hard. Uh, I think I said this on the weekend, Robert, where, where you and I partnered on the sermon talking about parenting. And, and just just think about this. So if you're a step parent and you just heard me say they may never really see you as a parent, um, put yourself in their shoes. You know, a parent can leave a child, and we see that, and it's tragic and it's horrible. But there's something that God put in a child's heart where they can never really leave a parent. So so you could have a situation. So now I'm not talking about my situation anymore. I'm giving an example. Mm -hmm. You could have a situation where, you know, the biological mom is just awful. And the stepmom is fantastic. And yet the child in all of the abuse or whatever happened or is happening, will still be loyal to the biological parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just the way that God made us. And so you have a stepmom here that's super frustrated, right? Because she's sweet and wonderful and giving and and biological mom's not that great. And yet the child still chooses biological mom. That's just the way we we are. Yeah. And so I would say the first thing as a step parent, if you have a bunch of ideology, yep. you know, you might want to surrender that um, to reality. And I think I said this this weekend, and one person's already sent me a note because it bugged them. But my job as a pastor, your job as pastor, is we, we got to speak the truth. Um, is, is to just lower your expectations a little bit. Yeah. Um, most likely, again, unless that kid's really young and doesn't know anybody else, right? Uh, most likely, they're never going to see you as a parent. Uh, but you can be a really good friend. Uh, and you can still be somebody that has a lot of influence uh, over over a child's life. So I have uh, two step parents. Um, man that married my mom, his name is Lenny. Uh, the woman that married my dad, her name is Stacy. And they are both wonderful people. They really are. And I am really grateful for the way that Lenny loves my mom. Mm-hmm. And I'm really grateful for the way that Stacy loves my dad. And I love Stacy very much. And I love Lenny very much. Uh, but I don't see them as parents. Um, when when you're a step-parent, um, you just got to embrace that that reality. Uh, what I see them is as, as two people who are part of my family who I'm really grateful for. Um, and I honor them. And, you know, if my biological dad or biological mom exited this life uh, first, I would still honor uh, both Stacy and, and Lenny uh, 
because I, I see them as part of my family. But it is different. Mm-hmm. And and I think um, what I would say to step parents, really hard job. Yeah. Uh, lower your expectations. If you have an idealism, you need to get rid of it a little bit. Um, and just know the relationship's going to be going to be different. And and that's okay, unless you're overbearing. You're wanting something that's unreasonable, and then that's a that's a recipe for disaster. Again, put yourself in the kid's shoes. Uh-huh. Um, how would you feel? What would it look like uh, if you were the kid in, in that scenario? And again, it could be that you as a step-parent are amazing, and the biological parent is awful. That's kind of irrelevant in the heart of a child. Uh-huh. And so um, – yeah, it's it's a hard job, and I, I think we just have to swallow the pill of reality and, yep. and have real expectations. Yeah, one of the things, Chad, you often say, and sometimes people laugh at it, uh, but it really is true, and, and there's a lot of brilliance, is the key to happiness, low, low expectations. expectations. Yeah, you don't want to uh, idealize situations. And when you're getting remarried and you're going to blend two families together, uh, there's something that's happened that obviously mom and dad are attracted to each other. So there's a little bit of euphoria. There's a little bit of dopamine release happening in the brain. You're excited. Man, this is going to be so great. And you kind of project that onto the kids. These kids are going to be so happy in this new home and this new family. And it's going to be beautiful. And it's going to be just like the Brady Bunch. And Alice is going to help us figure out our problems. And, <laughs> you know, we're going to, at the end of the day, share a meal together. And we're all going to talk about what we learned that day and the valuable life lessons. Well, that's just not real. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and to expect that, uh, you're going to set yourself up for all kinds of disappointment and frustration. And then you're probably going to take it out on your kids, your biological kids, or your new stepkids going, hey, we, we set up this perfect euphoric, you know, whatever situation for you. And why aren't you guys all so happy and so grateful that this is perfect? And um, and understanding, yeah, their kids don't feel the same way. And, and it's okay that they're moving at a different pace. And the level of relationship, that's something that, that you have to build over time. Yeah. And, and it takes time to build trust. The best thing, in, in my opinion, coming from the perspective of a, of a stepkid, is love your spouse well. Be an example of grace and kindness and all the things that Jesus is for us. And, and just allow time to build some trust there and that relationship will form. And again, it might not be what you had hoped it would be. Uh, it might not be you know what you had dreamed it would look like, but... Uh, you you can at least know that you did your part and and that you love the way that Jesus loved you. And then you leave the rest to God. You can't control those kids. You can't control how they're going to see you and perceive you, uh, but you can't influence it by loving well. Yeah. I I think um, you were talking about the secret of happiness, low expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the things I'm learning here as I'm getting older day by day, uh, surrendering our idealism to Jesus uh, is a really brilliant move. Um. You and I live in a broken world. Yeah. Um, just to just to be really, really blunt and straight. If you were married, you've been through a divorce, you've got kids, and now you're marrying somebody else. Your new marriage is built on brokenness. Mm-hmm. It it would not exist if the previous marriage didn't break. And so you're you're coming into it in brokenness. The world is broken. Um, I'm broken. You know, um, I say this when I when I preach. You know, I can't live up to my own standard, much less God's. 
Yeah. Right? So we all need a savior. We've got to surrender our idealism to, to Jesus. We don't live in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live in a broken world. Now, one day he's going to redeem all things. It's going to be beautiful. But we're not home yet. Yeah. And so surrendering that idealism and living in reality and lowering expectations a little bit, having our eyes wide open, uh, it's just a really wise thing uh, when we go into that new marriage. If you think about a blender— yeah. You know, we call it a blended family. If I throw a bunch of stuff in a blender... It doesn't come out looking like charcuterie boards. It comes out, yeah. No, it, it every, every, everything gets cut for yeah. that thing to work, Yeah, right? The only way that stuff gels into a tasty smoothie is everybody dies. Mm-hmm. Everybody surrenders. And that's what it takes to have a pretty good blended family, um, is everybody's got to surrender a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so if you as the parent do not lead out in the surrendering... Uh, to be really crass and blunt, you're screwed be- because what you're going to have is a war constantly. You've got to surrender. You've got to realize everybody gets cut in the blending. And, and if you can lead in that surrender and do that with humility, uh, man, that helps a whole lot. And that's all 30,000-foot talk, but, yeah. but it's you know it, just looking down on a blended family and what needs to happen here. But that, that's a big, big deal. Yeah. So question for you. How do you actually – Surrender idealism. Yeah. Like, is that a is that a prayer thing that you do? What what does that look like? Is it you saying, okay, here's the mental picture, God, that I have of how things should be in my mind, mm-hmm. and what what does that step actually look like for you to surrender that? I I think it's accepting this life as it is, not as I would have it. Mm-hmm. And there's a prayer in recovery called the Serenity Prayer. Uh-huh. If you want to know how to Surrender idealism. Just go online right now. Look up the serenity prayer. It may come up on an AA website or on Celebrate Recovery's website or something. Uh, But in that prayer is a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer of serenity. Mm -hmm. Serenity comes from uh, surrender. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's a prayer of surrender and in that a prayer of serenity. And and I think we pray that way. I I think we have conversations with our new spouse uh, so that, uh, you know, there's clear expectations between the two of you. Um, and and I, again, I think you just go into it with, with, eyes, with eyes wide open. Um, you guys may be in love, but that doesn't mean your kids are in love. Yeah. Um, y- your kids are, again, are coming out of something broken and, and they're scared and, you know, stability's already been shaken. And so it's a big deal. We, we need to be wise and sensitive about this stuff. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, there are a couple of just, and let's talk about these things, Robert, mm-hmm. and, and I'll ask you this question. There are a few things that, that you want to do that, that are just in the realm of wise. Yeah. So let's maybe move to more practical. Yep. So philosophically, surrender your ideals, yep. right? You know, lead out in the dying to self, all those kinds of things. Um, what do you think? What, what's something that you've seen uh, in a real practical sense that was wise in a blended family? Yeah, I will say that there, there are great opportunities in a blended family. And, and so as much as there are challenges, there's opportunities as well. And if you're in a blended family, as the adult in that situation, you are a major influence in the life of your biological kids and your, your stepkids. And and that influence is real. And so what we do with that influence, um, sometimes we assume a role in the, the lives of stepkids and we go, hey, I'm going to be the authoritarian or I'm going to be the 
whatever. Uh, don't assume a parental role, but you are an, an adult in the life of that child, a significant adult who they're picking up cues. And one of the things that, that we often say is more is caught than taught. And so leading by example and also just having clear guidelines and not like a thousand different rules. You're not the Von Trapp family and, you know, blowing <laughs> a whistle and every kid comes marching down the stairs or whatever. Um if you don't know that reference, that's okay. Uh, it's the sound of music. Robert, who's a big fan of musicals, musicals, by the way, is making a sound of music reference. Let it let it be noted. Okay. Yeah, so, let me see your man card. I'm yeah, no, off the point. It's a good musical. You know you liked it. I did. You, you got the reference. Um, but you do have influence on in the life of those kids. But to lay out some clear boundaries of just, okay, this is my role. This is what I'm going to contribute. And to get input. One of the things I think as a parent we're afraid to do is ask our kids for their input. Mm. Um, and, and to seek counsel of, hey, what's working, what's not working? Hey, what are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest frustrations? Uh, what, what are some things that seem to be going well? Get input from kids, depending on their age. And, and here's the other challenge. Every kid's so different. Mm-hmm. It's hard to give a prescription and say, this is what you do with your stepkid. Uh, it depends on the kid. Yeah. And it depends on the, the relationship dynamics. And it depends on you and, and personalities and all of that. But even working with ex-spouses, um, you are still co-parenting, yeah. even if you've divorced. And so co-parent well and know, okay, who's taking on what role? And even if you have to divvy it up, okay, who's who's taking care of discipline issues when it comes to, you know, this particular kid's behavior in this area? Well, dad might have the influence to have those conversations. So that's going to be his responsibility, but you still have to parent together. Yeah. You still have to work as a team because even though you've divorced, you're still the foundation of those kids. And and that marriage, that relationship is how they started. And, and so that's that's key to work together with your with your ex spouse and and to share some of those roles. You're going to say something. Oh, I was just thinking. So, and I'm. I mean, so my parents split when I was eight. Mm-hmm. I'm 50 years old. Yeah. I mean, 42 years have passed. Right. Over four decades. So my oldest son graduates from high school. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're having a party at my house, you know, for friends and family to come by and congratulate Josh on his high school graduation. Well, my boys come to our room the night before and they're like, okay, wait a second. Uh, So Grammy and Papa, so that's my mom and stepdad. Uh And Grandma and Grandpa, that's my dad and stepmom. They're going to be together at this party? And I'm like, yeah. And they were like, is that going to be okay? Mm -hmm. Right? So these are my boys who, you know, are just aware, like nothing's ever happened. Yep. They've never seen a fight yep. or anything, but they're like, we're going to put these ex-spouses in the room together. You know, what's yep. going to happen? And I'm like, well, here's the deal, guys. Those are still my parents. Yep. They have to deal with that for the rest of their lives or for the rest of my life, whichever ends first, right? Yep. It's just it's just always part of it. So I, I literally, as you were talking about, you're going to co-parent for the rest of your life. Uh, I was picturing this scene, right? Of my mom and stepdad and my dad and stepmom all sitting at the table together. Yeah. Uh, that's just reality. That, that's that's the reality of it. I'm going to repeat back what you said because I thought it was really good. Just the practical side. So the first practical thing is uh, the step-parent is not the authoritarian. The biological parent is. Yeah. And even though the step-parent is an adult and has influence and is in charge and has authority, uh, the disciplinarian, the authoritarian disciplinarian is the biological parent. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that, um, what was the second thing that you said? Uh, getting input. Yeah. Getting input, asking the kids, it's humility. Yeah. Uh, asking the kids what they, what they think. I I think that's so smart. And then just 
still respecting your ex-spouse, especially in front of your kids. That's right. Yeah, resist the urge because it's gonna it's gonna come up. Or hey, how come how come mom and dad divorced? How come you guys aren't together? You know what? Because he wasn't exactly. Yeah, and and it's so damaging. Their little sponge brains cannot process all the dynamics of your adult relationship. All right, I'm going to make you a promise right now, and Robert, you can tell me whether or not this is true. So we're both uh, children of divorce. Mm-hmm. Whatever negative thing you say about your ex-wife or ex-husband in front of your child, that child will remember it the rest of their life. Yeah. Is that true? Yes, that or no? is true. Yeah, it stays with you. Yeah. So be wise in that. Love your kids enough not to use them as your therapist and as your counselor. They cannot handle it. And if that means you don't give them all the details of everything that happened in your marriage, then don't give them all the details of everything that happened in your marriage. Uh, wait wait until that's age appropriate or just choose to let that go and not share that with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. One one last thing I want us to talk about. I know we're running out of time, but for the for those that aren't in a blended family, those that are in the single parent uh, situation. You and I both had seasons where we had, you know, single parent home and I was with my mom for a while and we even bounced around houses because we didn't have a place we could afford mm-hmm. to live. So we slept at my aunt's house and I would crash at our neighbor's house. And I remember having this season of just kind of being transient, uh, bouncing around places and and all of that. And at, th- at the end of the day, knowing still that mom loves me and, uh, and, and she helped me uh, really find my faith and get connected in church and, and kind of influence some things in that season of my life. But talk to the talk to the single parent that's out there listening right now going, okay, you talked a lot about blended families. It's yeah. just me. Now what? Yeah. I, the first thing I, I, I want our single parents to know, whether you go to Sun Valley or not, um, just as a single parent, we as a church uh, speak for myself. I know Robert feels this way too, but I'm speaking for me right now. Uh, as lead pastor of Sun Valley, if you're a single parent, uh, I love you. Uh, we love you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I was a kid in that situation. I saw my mom as well struggle with finances and try to figure things out. And so if that's you, uh, I want you to know um, at, at least, gosh, it's probably at least three times a month when I'm driving down the road, just single parents in general mm-hmm. will come across my mind and I'll, I'll say a word of prayer for single parents in our church. Uh, we love you. You know, we have a deal every year called the Single Parent Blessing. We've had a lot of groups in the church adopt single parent families. I think that's biblical and right mm-hmm. and good. And if we can ever serve you, help you, we want to do that. Um, and so that's the first thing I would say is this. Uh, you're not alone. Yeah. You're not alone. Um, humility is learning to receive. It's it's getting help. And the church is built on that. Yeah. Uh, we are a, a body of believers that give and serve uh, one another uh, so that we might be healthy. And that's um, parents in a traditional family or single parent family or blended family or single adults or whoever. The church is the church. And so we love you and, and you're not alone. Uh, the other thing that I, I, would, I would say is um, – one of the best things my mom did is she drugged my brother and I to church. Mm-hmm. And there's the theological God part of that. And I don't want to obviously take away from any of that. But there was also a community that I found there. And yeah. so even though I would see my dad every other weekend, um, I was around men yep. that love God uh, because I was in the youth group. Uh, in junior high, you know, in elementary school, I was in a thing in my church called Royal Ambassadors. 
Uh, it was basically an opportunity to go camping and stuff like that. Same kind of deal. Uh, in high school, I was around men that loved Jesus. Uh, if if my mom did anything right, and she did a lot of things right, um, that'd be at the top of the list. Yep. If she put me in a community where I was around a bunch of men that loved Jesus, and yep. for those of you who serve in our church, married, single, whatever, you invest in the lives of our kids, whether they're children or students. Uh, I love you. I want to affirm you. You have no idea how important you are. Yeah. Um, I'm going to cry now. But I mean, I'm uh, in ministry today because of some of those guys. Yeah. Um, and I'm standing on their shoulders, and I was a pain in the butt kid. Uh, I mean, I really was. I was hyperactive. I was arrogant. Uh, I've always been a decent talker, so I was a sarcastic little punk to these adults. Uh, but they just love me when we're consistent and faithful. And if you serve in our church in that way, I, I love you. If you're not serving, you need to stop wasting your life and start investing it. Um, you can do that in the church or in the community. But, you know, there's just a ton of uh, kids that, that need us. Um, single parents, again, I, yeah, I love you. Make sure they're in church. Uh, you're not alone. Uh, be part of the family of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can be a single parent family and be part of the family of God and let the church fill in some of those gaps. Yeah, that's so good. Chad, I'm going to ask you to to wrap up our, our time. I, I have nothing to add to that except mm-hmm. for an exclamation point. I, I love everything you said about uh, the influence and the impact of adults volunteering and, and serving and being around that community. And and uh, if you are a single parent and you need help, uh, ask for help. We have people in our church would love to help and uh, reach out to your campus pastor. And um, yeah, you don't have to go through that alone. And so we want to we want to be a support to you any way that we can. Yeah. And that's anything with financial things that come up to you need help working on your car so you make sure you're not getting cheated. I mean, all kinds of yeah. things. We're, we're here for you and we love you. Can you pray for our families, Chad, and pray for single parents, blended families, and uh, and and just all of our families. I think family is such an important part of who we are as a church and, and what we do and the impact we have in our community. Yeah. Family, regardless of what it looks like, is the most important small group in our church. Yeah. And uh, yeah, let me pray for you. Uh, Father, I, I lift up right now, uh, first of all, all the single parent families, I pray that you would bless each one. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would help that mom or dad, even in this moment, know they're not alone. They had a big church family that loves them. For blended families, make us wise. Um, Father, help us to see what you see. And give us the grace to love and lead well, beginning with ourselves, to be humble, uh, to not worship marriage or our spouse, but to look for our contentment and satisfaction in you, to be filled up with that so that we can love our spouse well, so that we can love our children and stepchildren well. Um, Father, for all of our our families, um, we need you. Uh, the family was, was the first church, and so uh, we, we need you, and we want to worship you. We need your help. And so may we be people of wisdom, uh, humility, and grace, and uh, we ask continually that you would give us wisdom to know the right thing to do, the courage to do it. May we walk humbly, and may we, we love well. Teach us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Loving God, Loving People podcast. 
Make sure you subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this conversation, we'd love it if you rated the podcast and left us a review. Also, sharing this with a friend is a great way to help more people meet, know, and follow Jesus. And lastly, you are always welcome to join us online for one of our services every week at live.sv.cc or go to locations.sv.cc to join us in person at one of our physical locations. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.